ladies, and welcome to the Amazing Bible Dot Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Our next section of Proverbs will be chapters 10 through 24. This section begins with chapter 10, verse 1, with the Proverbs of Solomon. They are separated into three different sections. Sections 10 through 18 carries the description of contrast, the upright, and the wicked. And then chapter 19 through 22a are Proverbs on life and conduct. In 22b, starting in verse 17, we see sayings of the wise, where the Proverbs are more paragraph format than parallel lines. And this is through chapter 23, and then in chapter 24, that gives precepts and warnings for those who do not follow. All right, so let's begin with chapter 10, and let's look at verse 24. What the wicked fears will come upon him, but the desire of the righteous will be granted. Do you know that some wicked people get away with murder and never get caught? Yep, I'm pretty sure on that one. How about the opposite? But the desires of the righteous will be granted. Do you know a righteous person that does not get all their desires fulfilled? Yes, I do. Does that mean this verse is a lie? No. This is where we realize, number one, this is not a promise of God. Number two, Proverbs like Psalms are people's words to other people, our responses to God and life. It's not a lie, but it's called a general principle. It is similar to the retribution principle. If you obey, you will be blessed. But we have learned from Job that that is not always the case. Sometimes bad things happen to good people and good things to bad. In the New Testament, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45b, For he, God, causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Life ultimately is in the hand of God. As I said before, here we see opposite parallelism, and this section is full of them because they are contrasting the upright and the wicked. There are lots of proverbs about leadership, for instance, in chapter 11, verse 14, where there is no guidance, the people fall, but in abundance of counselors, there is victory. According to C. Hassel Bullock, in an introduction to the Old Testament poetic books, he says, Fundamental to the proverbial form is that it bears a time-tested truth. Again, we know this is not always true, but it's generally true. There are also proverbs about how to care for our animals, Chapter 12, verse 10, a righteous man has regard for the life of his beast, but the compassion of the wicked is cruel. There are also proverbs on raising children. Chapter 13, verse 24, he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. And let me be clear, this is not meaning abuse, but discipline, and there is a difference. 
Believe it or not, one of my favorites is chapter 14, verse 1, and it's a proverb about a wife. The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. This reminds me of what I don't want to be. I want to build up and be an encourager, not someone who shreds everything and everyone in my path. Then Proverbs 15 verse 1 is marked in many of my Bibles and 1528 is starred. 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I just now thought how odd that Proverbs don't mention the tone of our voice. Maybe that's inferred in the gentle part of that proverb because sometimes I get in trouble because of my tone. Then in verse 28, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Ladies, do you know there is space between what we think and what we say? One of my goals, which I still haven't mastered yet, is to extend that space and ponder. Should I say this instead, or should I blurt it out? Most of the time, I should pause and think first. As I have said in other lessons on Proverbs, there is a clear overarching understanding that God is creator and we are the created. And these Proverbs are based on God and his laws, even though the law of God is not mentioned very much. Chapter 16 verse 4 is a proverb that is also a promise because we see it in the book of Revelation. The Lord works out everything for his own ends, even the wicked for a day of disaster. Even when our world is crazy, we can have hope that God is on his throne and he knows what he's doing. And I'm also really loving verse 31 of chapter 16. Gray hair is a crown of splendor and it is attained by a righteous life. I like it because I am grain. But we all know some gray-haired people that did not live a righteous life. I had a really, really good friend that waitressed with me when I was out of college. And she said, you know, old people are either really, really nice or really, really mean. I knew some really old and bitter women one time. And I went home from church and cried, Lord, I don't want to be a bitter old woman. I don't want to be a bitter old woman. And he very gently said, then don't be a bitter young woman. That meant I needed to work on things in my life and I needed to forgive. And there are Proverbs about that too. Proverbs chapter 17 verse 9. He who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. To cover an offense means forgiveness. And there are Proverbs about friendship, too. Psalm 18, verse 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I have heard it said, if you have three real friends throughout your life, then you are considered truly blessed. I just told someone that at church this past week, and he said, you know, it's hard to find time for any more than that. In chapters 19 through 23, 
These are geared more toward life and conduct. These proverbs are not so much opposite parallel lines, but either synonymous, meaning where two lines mean the same thing, yet use different words, or synthetic, where the second line adds to that first line. Such as chapter 19, verse 17, He who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his good deeds. The Lord does care about how we treat each other, especially the lowly, and how we treat our enemies. Chapter 20, verse 22 says, Do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord, and he will save you. This was something we saw in the imprecatory Psalms. The psalmist cried out to the Lord to deal with his enemies. He also waited for the Lord. It's not for us to take vengeance. There are many proverbs on money, such as chapter 21, verse 20. Precious treasure and oil are in the dwellings of the wise, but a foolish man consumes them. Sometimes in Christian circles, I've heard that if you have a savings account, then you're not trusting the Lord. But that's not true. According to this proverb, it is okay to have nice things in your home. Yet, chapter 22, verse 1 says, A good name is to be more desired than great riches. Favor is better than silver and gold. This is an example of synonymous parallelism. Then verse 2 says, The rich and the poor have a common bond. The Lord is the maker of them all. Again, God is the creator. We are the created. Another proverb I wanted to point out that people claim as a promise, but it is not, is Proverbs chapter 22 verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. How many people do you know who tried to raise their kids in a Christian home, but they still depart from those ways? A lot. One of my professors, Dr. Vickers, said, The passage doesn't say, if you do this, they'll become a Christian. That is not a true guarantee. It is a general good rule of thumb for raising kids, but it's not a promise. It's not 100%. Parents ask, what did I do wrong? Well, they all did something wrong. We all have. End of quote. We know, ladies, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There are no perfect parents and there are no perfect children. And that's why we need God's grace, his mercy, and especially his love. Plus, all we have to do is look at the Old Testament history, starting even with Adam and Eve, to see how many children have gone their own way. This reminds me that each person is accountable to God, and we can show them the way, and we can teach them the way, but we can't make them follow the way. That's one thing that's beyond our control, and that's when we pray. In the next section, the words of the wise, according to Bullock in his book, he says this, The topic of this section, chapters 22, verse 17 through 24, are almost as varied as those of other sections, and their range of subjects about the same. They include 
proper treatment of the poor, disassociation with angry people, prudence in making pledges, regulations against moving landmarks, admonition against gluttony, warning against inordinate concern for obtaining wealth. There's teachings on selfishness, disciplining children, admonition against envying sinners, and against intemperate drinking, counsel to heed parents' advice, warning against adultery, commendation of wisdom, and advice against glee at the fall of the wicked. And this is found on page 205 of his book. In chapter 23, verse 23, it says, Buy truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom and instruction and understanding. One of my husband's professors once said, Buy truth, whatever the cost, and do not sell it, whatever the profit. And in other words, don't take a bribe. One thing Proverbs makes clear is that there are more important things than money, and that is wisdom, instruction, and understanding, and they are at the top of that list. The last proverb I will leave us with is Proverbs chapter 24, verses 15 and 16. Do not lie in wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Do not destroy his resting place, for a righteous man falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in time of calamity. What I love about this is that it reminds us, if we are righteous, that we fall. In my case, a lot more than seven times. But we get back up. I had three boys all in various sports. And as a mom, I learned that if they fell down, I was not allowed to get up on and go onto the field. Dad was allowed to, but I was not. But he rarely did. And I just clung to the folding chair and tried to hold back the tears. But my husband, in contrast, would stand up and yell, Get up! Get up! Get up! Well, all three of my boys are alive today, so they got up. With some, it was after an ER visit, however. Ladies, when Jesus died on the cross, he was buried. And three days later, the Father in heaven said, Get up! I don't think he had to say it three times. And because he got up, because he overcame death, so can we who believe in him overcome. The righteous will rise again at that great trumpet sound. So, are you on the path of the righteous or of the wicked? Another thing Proverbs shows us is there are only two paths. So today, ladies, If you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Don't stay down. Instead, let's get up. If it's our seventh time or our 70th time or our 777th time of getting up, let's get back up and walk the righteous path of wisdom. Until next time, and thank you so much for listening.